Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Eccentric, the makers of the K-Box and the new K-Pulley. Guys, flywheel training's really grown in popularity of late, and although it's something that's been around for a while, the simple reason that it's grown in popularity is because it works. We've been lucky to have a K-Box in our weight room for the past three years, and we've seen some really great things when it comes to improving the athlete's ability to change direction, and then looking at our return to play protocols with different lower body injuries with the student athletes. The love-hate relationship that everyone has with the K-Box is now just going to grow more with the addition of the K-Pulley. The ability to do standing presses, pulls, rip-throughs, and knee drive exercises is just going to be another arsenal to our training and another addition to the love-hate relationship that our student-athletes have with the awesome tools that come from Eccentric. Go ahead and hop over to Eccentric.com today to check out what they have. Guys, I can't recommend it enough, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed not just with the products, but with the awesome customer service that Eccentric provides. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content it provides, be sure to hop over and check out the community. The community is an exclusive members website that is just an extension of what we do here in July at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar. What it is is a combination of video lectures, a coach's corner with your Monday morning take-home information, and a forum where you can talk about anything and everything related to the field of strength and conditioning. In the community, you'll find content added each month from some of the top practitioners in the world, ranging from PhDs to high-level coaches, bringing you exactly what they're doing with their athletes or their research at the present moment. On top of that, an additional discussion by coaches bringing you that Monday morning information, things that you can add to your training program right away. Tying that in with the opportunity to discuss with coaches around the world in the forum on anything and everything from the topics addressed in these presentations to whatever you're seeing in your daily life as a coach. If this sounds like the right thing for you and your staff, go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and try it out for 48 hours for just a dollar. If you like it, you're signed up, ready to roll, and you're jumping into all the great content added each month. If not, feel free to go ahead and cancel at any time. No questions asked. We're really excited about what we're building in the community and hope you are too. Go ahead and hop over to cvasps.com community and check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have an absolutely killer talk with Bruce Babishan talking boxing, training, and the development of both the fight game and strength and conditioning. Coach Babishan cut his teeth down in College Park uh, back in the 80s, and he's been in the strength game and the fight game for a minute now, and he's working with some world-class fighters up in Maryland. And, and guys, this is really some cool stuff, talking about training, uh, both the physical and the mental aspects of it, and how all of it works together to impact his fighters. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Coach, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Ah, it's my pleasure, man. I'm, I'm honored to have the opportunity. Well, here, since we don't have a, a face to go with, with the talk right now, how about we introduce you to who, have, uh, who we're listening to here, give a little background, and, and tell us how you got to where you're at right now. Sure, sure. Uh, my name's uh, Bruce Babishan. I'm a professional boxing coach and, and trainer. I've been doing that for about two decades. My, my, my journey to that process, my journey to that job uh, was long. Uh, you know, I started off, I uh, played high school football and, you know, baseball. 
college baseball, got out of baseball after I was done college, uh, wanted to, you know, contest, still had the competitive warrior spirit in me, um, lifted, uh, lifted weights. I was a competitive power lifter. I was a competitive bodybuilder and, uh, uh, you know, you know, competed on a regular basis in both sports, um, got a job, actually walked into the, had a friend of mine who, uh, was on the University of Maryland football team. And, he, you know, he had uh, tested out. He was the top squatter that particular year. I think he did 605 for three. And uh, he invited me to the gym, the training house, the field house at, at Maryland. So I walked in. I weighed about 230 and ended up, uh, you know, squatting six and a quarter for three without much effort, you know, with just a belt and wraps. And so uh, the head coach at the time, a guy named Frank Costello, who's one of the truly um, you know, the, one of the founding fathers of what we understand today as, you know, sports conditioning and, and, and really was way ahead of the game. He was the, you know, Frank was the first guy that went over to Europe. He was a strength and conditioning coach, but he's really a speed coach developed Ronaldo Nehemiah, if anybody remembers that name back in the eighties. But Frank was the guy that really was the, uh, on the cutting edge of introducing, you know, strength training at a high sophisticated level into college football. At one time, Maryland's program was on absolutely on the cutting edge. Frank had gone to Eastern Europe, learned all about the plyometric programs they were doing, brought all that knowledge back. So I, Frank offered me a job. I worked for uh, coach Bobby Ross uh, his last year and then coach Krivak over at Maryland his first year. Um, then the program, you know, changed faces and, and, you know, the program changed. And, uh, so I, I had this, uh, this background is, you know, in strength training, but during that time, I personally just needed to find something else. So I walked into the boxing gym just to, because it was something I always liked to do and just fell in love with it instantly. And, uh, you know, it was just a, just a guy would go in every day before work and spar and guy would come in after work. So I was very obsessed with it and, and not particularly gifted at it. Um, and I kept my mouth shut and listened to the coaches that were in there teaching the real gifted athletes, the athletes who really had a potential to be something in the sport uh, and learned and picked up a lot and developed sort of a nice reputation for myself as a good sparring partner, as a fairly knowledgeable guy. And that continued and, and eventually, you know, organically, I would be in the gym and, you know, the kids who were less talented, who weren't getting the time and attention of the coaches would gravitate towards the guy who was next in line in terms of age, which was me. I was an older guy. I wasn't in my prime anymore. There was no real long-term possibility for me to be successful in the sport of boxing. I was just in there working. I was a gym rat and I started coaching kids who had nobody else to coach them. And, you know, from that process, from that sort of experience, it grew over the course of years and years. And as I learned more and as my athletes performed better, uh, you know, I, my reputation grew and, and it grew into where we're at today. And today I train, you know, train kids from, from around the world. Last Olympic cycle, the, the Philippine government hired me and they sent their Olympians to me here in the United States prior to the last games in Rio to prepare them, you know, for the games. Uh, my, you know, I trained professionals at every level in the sport. Uh, and currently I have my top kid, his name's Alexandru Marin. He's ranked in the top 10 in the world, he'll be fighting on HBO in September 8th in the Superfly event. So it all started with a very humble beginning. 
actually started in the weight room and, you know, kind of grew from there. And, and I was able to apply my, the things that Frank taught me and the things that I picked up along the way, uh, to, to my, my fighters, which, which has given me a distinct advantage, I think over, over other coaches. So that's, that's, that's really my journey. No. And that's fascinating to, to go from, you know, college park, Maryland to the, to the Olympics in a different realm. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, at the time there used to be a guy at Maryland, his name, he was, he preceded me, but his name was Pete Koch and he was on the cover of sports illustrated and he was the next thing. I think that's what they called him. He was sort of this next generation athlete that he was actually in a, in a movie called heartbreak Ridge with Clint Eastwood. He was a guy called the Swede, but he was this, this physical phenom. I mean, you know, um, he preceded me, but he was, he was emblematic of what, Frank Costello was building there at the, at the, uh, at the, at Maryland. And, you know, we had cutting edge facilities at the time, uh, boomer science and had donated a lot of stuff to the program. And, and we had at, at the time in the early days, we had a really sophisticated cutting edge program, but, but, but frankly, uh, you know, this was, this was, uh, exercise science in its infancy. You know, the Eastern Europeans were way ahead of them, uh, of America. And this 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 field of study was was fairly new. It was was burgeoning when I am around guys like you and guys like Coach Cavill and guys that are really steeped in this today. I realized to a large degree that, uh, you know, that the strength and conditioning has really evolved into a real practical science, a different make, difference maker. And it's, uh, it's, it's really has been fascinating to be at sort of there. I was sort of country before country was cool. And then to see where you guys are at today, it's really fascinating. And it's quite, it's quite um, gratifying to, to see that this, this area of expertise has got its, has got its, uh, has come into its own, so to speak. Um, and uh, so yeah, man, it was, it was, it was, it's been a pretty cool, cool, cool gig here. Oh, I'm sure. And, and, and let's, let's just keep running with that. Let's talk about some of that sure. evolution. So what have you seen, you know, I mean, especially in the fight game, since that's really what you're immensed right. in right now, like, how has that right. evolved? How has that moved forward? Well, what's interesting is, you know, it, it, you know, the fight game is, is both on the cutting edge and also behind the times. And uh, so that seems at, at odds with one another, but it's really not because um, boxing is a sport of haves and have nots. And so at the elite level where there is uh, the athletes are fighting for big purses and there's lots of money at stake, um, these athletes get access to the highest, most sophisticated levels of, of you know, uh, of, of training and conditioning at the lower levels, um, where there is no money at stake, where guys and gals are sort of uh, making their bones and are working their way up. They have access to only the coaches who they have in their gym. And oftentimes those coaches are not very sophisticated in the ways of, you know, you, you'll hear things, you'll hear coaches say things that are, you know, 30, 40 years out of date, but that's what they know. That's what they know. And so, you know, uh, when you watch boxing, if you watch, uh, you know, the, the uh, HBO show 24 seven, they'll show the guys in the hyperbaric chambers, you know, they'll show the guys training in, you know, in, in altitude tents. I mean, the whole phenomenon of altitude masks really 
emanated from you know some of the footage that started on 24/7 with the uh, the Mexican tra- the Mexican fighters training at altitude, then wearing the altitude masks. You know, which which quite frankly is you know is in, in it's got some dubious results in terms of whether it's effective or not in terms of the way it's being used by the masks, because I'm not sure that that really creates hypoxia, but they have now oxygen tents, you know, where you go into these tents, they have, uh, they, they create these, uh, these false environments. So at the very cutting edge of boxing, you are dealing with guys and, and coaches and strength coaches and nutritionists who are at the cutting edge of the sports of, of the industry, you know, weight loss and, 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 and you know, in, in MMA and boxing is legendary um, but, you know, weight loss and maintaining performance. I mean, it's so aggressive now that uh, the state commissions are having to rethink the policy of, you know, can a guy, is it unfair? You know, the, the rehydration process for, for fighters, you know, can often be, you know, 10, 15 percent, 20 percent of their body weight, which seems extraordinary. Yeah. But, you know, the science has gotten to the point now where these guys are able to, you know, you know, lose weight and, and, and then put it back on in 24 hours and still maintain high, extremely high levels of performance. So early on in boxing, it was in fighting, you know, it's what you see everywhere. You know, it's, uh, you know, you, it's lifting and running and, you know, you, you, you whoever's your coach at the time, whoever's your coach, you kind of do what he says. And, you know, there's this whole, you know, you don't want to have, you don't want to build too much muscle. And that's, that's what you hear when you're in the gym as if muscles, the enemy, um, from the old school. But then when you get, get into the more elite level athletes, you know, it's really a quest for balance and performance and, and specificity. Although I will say that it's been my experience that, um, that finding the right strength conditioning coach and working with the right, the right folks, is a challenge because a lot of guys in the industry, a lot of gals in the industry want to show you what they know uh, more than do what's in the best interest of the athlete. Oftentimes don't know and say they do oftentimes overcomplicate something that should be far more simple than it is. Um, And oftentimes want to put their own moniker on it when the truth is that, you know, what that particular fighter needs or that particular athlete needs is something very simple and basic. On the other hand, when you're trying to squeeze that one tenth of one percent out of a guy or gal, because that's going to make the difference, you know, you got to have the most sophisticated and you got to have the best coaches. So, over the course of the past twenty years, I would say, uh, boxing and the fighting sports and the, and, and the combat sports have been both on the cutting edge, but at the same time, have been uh, oftentimes way behind the times in terms of what the general athlete is getting exposed to as opposed to what the elite athletes. So there really is a, a dichotomy there, a real, a real difference there. No. And I, I could see that, you know, from afar being an issue. So do you guys have a strength coach that you work with directly? And if so, how did you select so, that person? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, for years I did it. Um, and, um, the one thing, you know, as a coach is that first of all, you know, uh, it's, you, you can't do it all. You know, I also coach high school football and, uh, you know, the, the most important thing about uh, a fight, uh, you know, high school football team besides the athletes themselves is the staff. So, you know, people don't think of fighting as having a, a staff, but I really do. I have a, a very, very, very strong 
very strong team that's behind us. And uh, that involves our nutritionist, Mary Perry. That involves our strength coach, Justin Cooper. That involves, you know, our, 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 our team trainers. And so we sort of, we build around the athlete. And I do this based on trust. Um, you know, I know enough, you know, I'm very humble in my knowledge uh, about this stuff because, you know, when I go out and I, I try and stay abreast of everything, but when I see, you know, what your generation of coach knows, when I see what your generation of, of coach has, has, has gone through in terms of education, it, it, it supersedes my generation. It's, it's at a whole nother level, but I know enough to be selective and I know enough to, you know, I guess uh, uncover the BS. And also I know enough to see whether or not that particular coach fits within our team. You know, the strength and conditioning coach is the culture builder in, in most organizations, certainly in football, but in boxing and fighting, he's the culture builder. She's the culture builder. And, uh, you know, they get a great deal of time with the athletes. So if I'm training the fighter with fighting and then I'm also the strength and conditioning coach, I can tell you, I can wear an athlete out. You know, I'm always, you know, I'm an old school guy and, uh, I'm constantly, uh, on them and, you know, they need a break from me. And what they need is a, is a strength conditioning coach, which, you know, th this is, this is really an important issue because fighting amongst, among many sports, but may maybe to a, to a greater degree, maybe not, but I can say that within fighting, your faith in your coach is a, a gigantic factor going in because, you know, during the fight, if it's a real fight, you know, they're going to have to dig deep and they're going to have to rely on what they believe in. And if they believe in their strength and conditioning coach and they believe they're in shape, when it comes time, they'll give you that extra half a percent that you need. If they don't believe in their strength and conditioning coach, it's evident. And they'll feel tired. You know, the psychology of fighting is, is one you really have to manage. So, you know, I go about the process of selecting my coaches based on one, their knowledge Two, you know, are they willing to share their knowledge with the team? Are they a team player? You know, do, will they work with our nutritionists? Will they work with me? Will they be flexible in the schedule? Because oftentimes, you know, sparring requires, you know, next week we're, we're going to Philadelphia. And then the week after that, we're headed over to Baltimore. Then we go back up to Philadelphia. You know, the, the strength conditioning coach likes to have his schedule laid out for that week. Well, that doesn't work all the time in fighting, you know, cause you got to go where the act, the activity is. So, you know, I need a guy or a gal who's flexible. I need a guy or a gal who's not going to try and, 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 you know, be a mad scientist with the athlete either. You know, the, the kids at the elite level, um, you better know your shit because you're messing with the kid's career and his livelihood and how he feeds his family. And you better not experiment with them and get it wrong. So, you know, you have to really, you know, the, the, the young man we work with now, Justin Cooper, I went and I met him. I watched him. I went to see athletes he worked with. You know, I, I talked, I interviewed him several times. I had him come over to the gym. I had him work with the fighters so I could see them work with the fighters, how he interacted with them. I actually videotaped them working with the fighters. And then uh, I sent in, you know, secret shoppers, what they call that. You know, I sent in other people to watch how the workout goes when I'm not around to see if he's pushing, if he can push the right buttons. So part of it is, look, they have to have the knowledge. 
They have to have the disposition to fit into the team structure, but they also need to be uh, a coach that can push the right buttons and know when to push those buttons. The strength conditioning coach, you know, in my view, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm biased in this because I have a little bit of heritage in this um, and, and a little bit of history in this is by far one of the most important parts of any sports condition, sports uh, uh, program that there is, whether it's in football or in my sport, uh, uh, boxing, you know, and so, you know, that's probably the second most important person because of, you know, they are building bodies, but they're building confidence. And uh, I can only tell you that in a, in a fight in the crucible, uh, the kid needs to believe that he's ready, he's in shape, that he can go. And when it, you know, when the championship round comes around and he is dead tired on the stool and, you know, he has to dig deep, he has to have extreme confidence in what he's been through. And that's not an easy thing. That's not just a nuts and bolts thing. That's just not an academic thing. That's a coach who's ingrained himself in the psyche of my athlete. And, and, you know, that's the guy or gal that I look for. And, uh, and, and, and the young man that we have right now is extremely knowledgeable, but he is into the psyche of my athlete. My athlete totally, unequivocally has faith in him, that he is prepared for the fight. And that is a big difference in the sport, I can tell you. It's a big difference in the performance. I love it, Bruce. I really do. Now, let's, let's run down that rabbit hole a little bit because you brought up three right. different things when it comes to the mental capacity when it comes to being a fighter um right. how as the one that oversees all of that how do you, do right. you monitor and, and and build and drive that you know do we want to call it toughness do we want to call it belief do we want to call it trust like I, or is it each one of those their own thing i mean how does that work in the fight game so um first and foremost um, you know, uh, I was watching, there's a, there's a, there's a, a great boxing trainer that everybody's aware of. His name is Freddie Roach. I don't know if you've known, you've yeah. heard of him, but he's a you know fairly popular. He's Manny Pacquiao's trainer. And I was, uh, listening to him talk one day and he said something that I, that I, that, you know, you have your private thoughts and you think, Oh my God, that, he's, he's so right. So first and foremost, he said, uh, you know, look, if Manny Pacquiao never walked into my gym, you might never know who Freddie Roach is. And the point that he was trying to make is, is that, uh, you know, so much of in, in fighting, so much of the coach is really dictated by the athlete. You know, there's, there's, you can coach against everything but talent. You know, you can plan, you can scheme, you can strategize. We do film breakdown. You know, we do, you know, we have a fight plan. We have it all. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to have the talent. You got to have some kid. And, and, you know, I'll just use this kid, the current kid that I mentioned earlier today, because his story is so powerful and it goes to your question. You know, how do I build mental toughness into that kid? Um, you know, we have a process in the gym. We have a culture in the gym uh, that all sort of lends itself to building a young man or young woman's confidence, but, and I know you've run across these guys and gals coach 
that, that you know, that, that really needs to reside deep, 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 deep within the athlete themselves. There are certain athletes that have this deep and profound belief in themselves that no matter what the circumstance, they'll find a way to get out of it. They'll find a way to win, to win no matter what the circumstance. And that is a very hard thing to teach. You know, that's a very hard thing to cultivate. You want to cultivate that. You want to nurture that. You want to find that. Um, but, you know, the truth is that a great deal of what makes a great coach is a great athlete and a great deal of what makes a great athlete is born into them and can't be coached in. Now, that that aside, that, you know, statement aside, you know, everything we do in a camp is designed to build towards a moment is to build towards an event, you know, at the very top of the game, the kid will only fight for 36 minutes at the very top. He's only going to fight for 36 minutes. That's, you know, that's 12 rounds. And so you've got to train a kid and you've got to spend, let's say a short campus, six weeks, a normal camps, eight weeks, a long campus, 10 weeks. And you also want to assume that the kid has fought two or three, four times that year. So he's never out of shape or she's never out of shape. So, you know, you're building in that eight, 10 week period, every step you take is building towards that single day and that single 36 minutes. So, you you know, you start staring, stair stepping their, their, uh, their sparring, you start putting them in tougher and tougher with bigger and bigger, better names. You start building their confidence. You start building all of those things that really surround an athlete's in a fight mentally and you're you're sort of focusing everything towards that that 36 minutes uh, on that specific night you know the sport and conditioning is the, the strength conditioning is the exact same way you know you you start out a camp one way but you're really pointing towards a very 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 uh specific 36 minutes and in, and and in, in fighting you know unlike let's say football like i said i'm a high school football coach but the you know, the, the, uh, intensity of the competition is quite different, especially at the, uh, at the elite level, you know, that 36 minutes is, is, it's not just that you're competing against somebody is that during that 36 minutes, somebody's taking something from you at the same time and, you know, being out there and competing at a high level, but also getting damaged, you know, moment by moment, you have to really, really, really have the mental fortitude to work through that. And I look, I've seen very strong men and women cave under that pressure and anybody will cave under enough pressure. Mm -hmm. there, there's no, you know, there's, there, there is nobody that doesn't have a limit. Um, but you're trying to constantly force that limit back and you're trying to force that limit back by building a sense of confidence within that athlete. And you do that by, you know, by specifically cycling, everything they do towards a specific moment. And then, you know, part of that confidence coach comes from, you know, there's this thing I call the law of equitable exchange. And we don't really, uh, we don't, we don't name it, but we know it in our hearts to be true that, you know, you have to suffer in proportion to the goal that you seek. And that, uh, part of building confidence, part of building readiness, part of building that ability in the crucible to, you know, find the extra gear is to impart suffering upon your athlete. 
and let them know they're suffering for this purpose. You know, suffering without, you know, we don't want them to, we don't want to be uh, disconnected, but, you know, we, we go out of our way to make the athletes suffer. And, um, and we do that specifically so that at the time of the fight, they know that they have paid the price in proportion to what they seek. And, you know, in our gym, we call that the law of equitable exchange. So, you know, uh, it's a, it's a process of continually pointing and focusing everything you say and do, and you're taking all the training, but you're actually focused a great deal on the suffering. And, and I don't mean that you, 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 you push a kid beyond his physical limits to you get him injured. And I don't mean, but you do, you know, within the confines of the work, within the confines of the, of the process, you try and make them suffer and be aware of the suffering. And uh, that's really an important component piece for building confidence and building readiness because these kids all know, look, you know, when that, that uh, Oscar De La Hoya said something one time, I never forgot. He said, you know, somebody asked him, what does the opening bell mean to you? He goes, undeniable reality. And that's when an that awesome opening quote. bell, when it, yes, yes. You know, when that bell sounds and it, I, 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 you know, it's interesting because I mean, I love, 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 love football. I mean, it's probably my, you know, I love football. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys that will watch on Saturday. I'll sit down and watch every college football game there is. And I'll root for, you know, East Texas state or whoever it has. I just, I just love college football. I love the whole tribal experience. I think it's a fantastic thing. Um, but I will tell you personally, that walk to the ring is incredible. And when you have prepared an athlete and, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good stage. You know, this kid will be fighting at the super five event in the LA forum on September 8th, that walk to the ring, you know, is part of the process is part of the reward is part of the, you know, the, uh, of, of, you know, the mental process, getting this kid ready. There's a, look, you can see all the hype and all the music, but there's an internal dialogue going on. You know, there's an internal dialogue. And if you watch real closely, You'll, you know, you'll see a coach and an athlete sharing words, sharing looks, and that's all part of that process of getting that kid tuned up just right for, for that moment. And, you know, um, so, so to answer your question, coach, it's a, it's a, it's a process of continually pointing and focusing your athlete on a specific point and reminding them moment by moment that, they have to suffer for this and that their suffering has value. It's not suffering for the sake of suffering. If the suffering has value and in that process, they gain their confidence. I love it. So it's all designed. It's all periodized. It's all programmed. It's all moving forward. Absolutely. And there's days that are yeah, just I mean, going to be hard. Just going to be hard. And we have, look, we have, you know, every day or every week, it's really every, every Thursday I review the, the, the charts, you know, uh, you know, uh, I review the workouts, I review the lifts, I review the, the recovery rates, you know, much of what we focus on is recovery, how fast that, that's how we judge whether or not the athletes getting ready or not. So oftentimes we'll have a, we will use uh, a, a, a treadmill uh, movement where we'll actually have the kid run for a series of, of, of four to six rounds and every minute and every round 
is harder than the previous minute and every round is harder than the previous round. And we chart this. Uh, and what we do is we look, how long does it take that fighter once that, you know, once he stops between rounds for his heart rate to return back to 65%. And we can tell almost to pinpoint, we can, we can almost be dead on accurate whether or not we have peaked him or slightly overtrained him or slightly undertrained her or whatever it happens to be. And so we do all of that, all of that, all of that, but all of that's interlaced with, you know, the psychology of, of, you know, even the periodization, everything we do, you know, it's attached to the nomenclature of the fight. So, you know, uh, we have charts. I mean, everything we do is documented. You know, I know what happened, the, the fight before, I know what happened, the fight before that, Every day we have a weigh-in. Every morning I know exactly. You, you know the kid weighed today. He weighed one twenty-four point six. Yesterday he weighed one twenty-four point eight. You know everything is documented. Everything, but at the end of the day you have to mix all that. Great coaches, the great strength conditioning coaches that I know, they're really able to to mix the psychology with the science. And once you do that, man, you gotta you're building a beast. You're building a beast. No doubt about it. Well, Coach, I can't thank you enough for this. Bruce, this is fantastic stuff. And uh, people are going to love this. I can't wait to get this live here in a week or so. Well, listen, it was a pleasure. I'm, I was honored to, to have the opportunity to, to participate, uh, you know, and to be on. I follow the show. It's great. I learn a lot. Uh, I'm a fan, and, I, you know, I listen to it. And uh, so it was my pleasure, and I truly, truly, truly appreciate the opportunity you gave me. Well, I appreciate that, Coach. Best of luck on the 25th. We'll be watching. All right, pal. Talk to you soon, man. Yes, sir. We'll be in touch real soon, Coach. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. And a huge thanks to Bruce Babishan for spending the time with us today. Guys, you know, we as strength coaches like to talk about stuff when we coordinate, like, boxing and things like that into what we do. And when I got a world-class boxing coach talking about the importance of strength and conditioning, the role that he sees it within his team, just freaking awesome stuff i can't thank bruce enough uh for for his candor and his open and honest sharing just fascinating to me thank you so much coach and as always guys if you enjoyed the talk please share it through the social media outlet of your choice facebook twitter instagram whatever it may be guys the the word of mouth is our lifeblood and I, i can't thank you enough for all of you that Spread the word and share the content because it really it really does mean the world to me. If, if you wouldn't mind hitting that like button, hitting that share button, and spreading the word, uh, spreading the word, excuse me, I would be greatly appreciative. And as always, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.